You know, but I'll tell you what, I'm so proud of all the the guys that are out there building it now. And yeah. I think that's important too, is that they know that they got a bunch of old ags that a big part of the reason why it mattered so much to me at the mm-hmm. time was because I wanted to make sure it was around for them now. And so yeah. they're help they're every Saturday they go out there, they're making my day. Uh, or Sunday, whatever it is, you know, when they go out to cut, just the fact that there's knowing that there's still ags going out there building bonfires is a big is huge to me. Yeah. Well, before we get started, I want to clear something up just so we don't have any potential for awkward on the, you know, awkward scenarios. But uh, like we established, it's been 20 years, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So almost 20 years since I was a fish, I was a fish in your senior year, Mm -hmm. like your your senior gray year. And I was Mm -hmm. one of your fish. Yep. And uh, that would have been the 04 fall fire. Yep. Yeah. So. And and so haven't been that long. Having established that it's been so long that I still thought you lived in a place you lived 10 years ago. Um well, I'll just put it out there. Nathaniel or does Sue still mean anything? <laughs> you know what? So the the professional world does not know me as Sue, that's for sure. Uh, I go by Nathan now with most people. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, if the Sioux stories are going to relate more to bonfire, we can, we can go by Sioux. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, there are a few people I work with that still know my name because they went to school with me, but, uh, most people at work call me Nathan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there was, uh, I mentioned the summer barbecues here and, uh, Belsick came to one uh, for the first time in a while, and my dad was there at the at the cold beers, and Belsick was going up and getting a cold beer, and so they were right next to each other, and I was like, "Hey, Dad, um, remember?" And, <laughs> <laughs> and if Belsick turns around, he goes, "Nobody's called me that in a while," and I couldn't tell like how he meant that. <laughs> no, I'm pretty easy going about it. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean I wore that name. Uh, that was a moniker of pride for me in college, you know. I I loved it. Yeah. Um because I I felt like you know, where it came from was a uh, it it was that name was bestowed on me as a as an honor, you know, as somebody that could be relied on in a fight. <laughs> and uh so so I wore it with pride in college, uh, got out of college and, and kind of left that behind. But, you know, it was fun. Yeah. And, and see, that's what I was going to ask is where that came from. I mean, you know, dorms got, you know, everybody gets their names right. from the dorms or whatever. But so my um, name, my name was picked out before I even showed up to move in my freshman year. Oh, they had it in a bucket waiting for somebody? They had it in a bucket waiting for somebody. Yeah. So my Chiefs, uh, you know, Trevor and uh, Matthew Munzenberger, 
they had they had decided when they were um, in their spring semester, their freshman year, they had decided, hey, you know, the biggest, meanest looking fish we get, we're going to name him Sue. And so I was not their first choice, by the way. Really? I, I was not the first Sue. Um, they, they they had one guy picked out that looked bigger than me or me, but they found out he was like 24 years old or some. He oh, was nice. like some guy that had come back to college from, you know, living an adult. I don't know if he was a veteran or what. And uh, so they're like, well, you know, he's probably not going to. And it didn't seem like he was going to run with the crew very much. Mm-hmm. And so then I was the second pick and they were like, okay, we're going to name you Sue. And I was like, sure, whatever. You know, I was very much when I showed up, moved in, fell in with those guys and just was going with the flow, you know? Yeah. And so they, and they were real good. I mean, you talk about a master class at recruiting freshmen. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Those guys should teach the class because yeah. they, they had a plan and they executed the plan. And I mean, they brought, when we went, when they brought fish out in 04, you guys had to have been blown away because they brought 20, 30 of us out there in a time where dorms were not pulling that level. Right. You know, it right. was, we had a big crew. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember, uh, I remember that crew being sizable and, uh, I think we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to something. I, I couldn't quite place if you were there for it, but we'll get to it eventually. But yeah, the sizable crew. Um, and they were, I mean, Burger, he was good. Always liked Burger. Yeah. Uh, but where, where did the smash come in? Was it always Sue Smash or was it just, it started as Sue and then Smash came Sue later? Smash. <laughs> Sue Smash kind of came out of just my personality, I guess. They, uh, you know, I kind of. I don't know. I don't know where it just became kind of a, a joke about when I'd get angry or frustrated, you know, show up my aggression, things got broken. <laughs> right. So, so I guess that just kind of became the, uh, the phrase for when that happened. <laughs> well, in a weird way, all right, maybe this just makes me messed up, but I always associated the smash aspect with things getting fixed. You know, so sometimes it was a motivator. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Sometimes it was motivational smashing. <laughs> yeah. And that would get things moving again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always thought it fixed more things than uh, broke things. So. Yeah, you could say uh, that. Yeah. So, so what was it? First, you come to A&M. Were you coming here aware of Bonfire? I'm a first generation Aggie. I had no idea what I was walking into. I mm-hmm. didn't go to fish camp. I mm-hmm. didn't, I just was like, I signed up to go to school to get my degree. You know, I was one of them top 10 percenters that like, I didn't even apply anywhere else. I knew A&M was the best place to get my education. And so that's why I'm going. And then mm-hmm. I show up and I'm moving into Crocker hall. And here's these people helping me move in that are like, Hey man, you're you know, awesome. Great to meet you. I meet another freshman and, and I'm really a social person. I'm an extrovert. So, you know, I was eating all this up, you know, people meeting me and, uh, you know, and then bones and burger, like, Hey, let's go out to Fitzwillies. And it's like, what's Fitzwillies? Oh, it's across the street here. And we go out and have a good time there. And then we go, you know, do some other things as a group. And before I know it, I've got this whole, I mean, within a week, I've got a whole new family, mm-hmm. right? That was a great thing about the crew. It was like, 
I've got a whole new group of guys that I can rely on to help me with things, to hang out with, be social with. Uh, got a group of people to go to meals with. And yeah, I mean, after the, you know, I hadn't even started classes yet and I've got basically a whole new family. And so was not prepared for that, was not expecting that, but definitely welcomed it. Yeah. Um, and fell right in with it, you know? Yeah. So. And that's one of those things that after so many years, you're just like, yeah, these are my buddies forever. And they're still, they still come to things and, you know, they're, Hell, Belsick's godfather to one of my kids, and Jim's a godfather to you know one of the others, and um, you know, so that stuff never goes away. But you got to like kind of remove yourself from that and go back, and you realize it is really shocking. It's that you rare. Show up in a dorm, and it's just like, welcome to the family. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think at the time I knew how rare that was. Like, yeah, that just like there's not schools all over the nation that just this happens, right? Right. But yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not saying Crocker was the only place that happened. Definitely. I think all those North side dorms kind of had that vibe. Uh, but, but Crocker was a special place for somebody that wanted to come and have a good time. <laughs> right. 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 You mean learn and get a degree. Yeah. Learn and get an education. Yeah. We yeah, used to joke that the only reason our dorm average GPA was uh, above two O's because I lived there. <laughs> I think that would be fair. You know, I, I was talking to Barry. I told him I was going to be talking to you. And Barry, Barry's like, ah, oh, I love him. This is one of the smartest guys I've ever met. So, uh, you yeah, do. Yeah, we know. still keep in touch. He's awesome. He's uh, yeah. he's uh, doing the bee thing now. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. That's that's where I got I got beeswax from him for some wood finishes that I have for, for my stuff. Uh, so, it's been, it's been nice keeping it in the family. But, um I'm impressed yes. he still talks to me after all the crap I gave him when he was a junior. Man, we but, used to love to mess with him. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and he did he did mention he was like, you know, it's a little bit of a rough start, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just I took it as part of the job. You know, it's one of the things I gotta do as a brown is mess with the juniors. I mean, always had their back when it right. when the rubber meets the road, but you gotta give them a hard time too. Yeah, it keeps them it keeps them <laughs> where they horrible. need to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's a cool dynamic, and, and the first time that a junior experiences, all right, these guys are just, just God, just stop, just please, just chill out, and stop. You're driving me nuts. But the first time a junior experiences a situation where the brown pot shows up, and he's like, "Don't worry, I got it," and fixes it, yes. and then realizes what this whole time you could have been doing that. Yep. But, you know, you realize that, yeah, they've had your back the whole time and they're going to step in when you need it. And until then, they're just going to mess with you. Yes. Yeah. I love, I love that part of the job. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I don't know. Some, somebody was, I was trying to describe it with, with a, you know, a veteran. And we're trying to place the different, you know, roles and explaining how all of this sort of, comes from AM's military history and then what have you. And we landed on brown pots are kind of like warrant officers. Yeah, I can I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, like the non-com officers and the commissioned officers both don't know how exactly to deal with the warrant officer, and the warrant officer knows that and loves it. <laughs> yep. 
But yeah, um, being a brown yeah. pot, I think, is definitely the funnest, the most fun job at Bonfire. At least that's that was my experience. It was very exhausting. It was taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but man, it was a lot of fun. When did you? Were you aware of that as something that was an option? And when did you become aware of that? Like something that you could attain and and have some interest in? Uh, I'd say during my chief year. Really? Um, yeah. So my chief year, uh, I, I just got to see more of what the Browns did and got to appreciate the life they led. And uh, I didn't really go – I wasn't one of those people that like would try to angle for a pot, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how much of that really happened. I didn't get into everybody's business. I know some people were more kind of self-identified. Hey, I think I ought to be a chief or I ought to be this. I did. I don't think I did that very much. I, I tried to just kind of do my job. Yeah. You know, if my job was to be a fish, I was going to be a fish. If my job was to be a chief. I'm going to be a chief. Um, and so as my chief year went on, you know, kind of later in the cut season and and earlier in stack, I started spending more time around – the Browns started having me spend more time around them, right, because mm-hmm. they were kind of evaluating who they wanted is to pass down to. And I just, you know, spending time with them, going out a few days with them uh, outside of normal cut to help them get some of their work done and, and showing them what I could do. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and everything they did – was was work that I I would have loved to do so yeah I was I was all about it and got uh got passed down to on the uh, from brute yeah that was pretty fun that that fit my uh fit my personality pretty well that role yeah yeah it was a Sticking good match up on people in the woods being ready to <laughs> make <Yeah>. sure they're <laughs> it it was a good match like the continuity between you two right. Brute. Just, it was so natural. But uh, yeah. did you know, like, did you notice that you were spending time with him? Like, towards like, the end, you- yeah, a little bit. But I, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't super clear until, I mean, golly, it was like, right. I mean, they told me maybe two weeks before burn. That I, was gonna, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how, I mean, it's been a long time, like I said. I remember exactly how long before burn it was, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know till I knew. And, and like I said, I was focused on being a chief, you know, my, you right. know, especially those, those last few weeks leading up to burn, we didn't really stagger our shifts very much that Oh five year. Right. And so, I mean, if you could be out there all every night, you were out there every night and man, I was out there a lot of nights, you know, uh, getting logs. I had a certain quadrant that I was, in fact, I met one of my Brown brothers in that quadrant, my chief year, Kevin Yonda, Right. And me developed a really good working relationship before we even knew we were going to be baby Browns together because he was, he was the guy wiring sets on the ground in that quadrant. And I was the chief bringing logs in. Right. Right. So that whole build, me and him are like getting a feel for each other to where he, we could communicate just with hand signals, what kind of log he wanted and I'd get it to him. And, uh, and so we had a really good working relationship before we found out we were going to be, Browns together. And that was, that was a lot of fun just, just doing that. So I was just focused on building that fire. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't overly, uh, I wasn't overly uh, focused on the the next thing. You know, I always try to look at what's in front of me. So. Right. Well, and you know, there was one time 
Bucky's, right? That that's what that's what everybody calls it. You know, somebody somebody's bucking for a pot. And uh there's certain dorms where they take that more seriously than others. And uh, I know Walton was one where one time I asked Joey Hammond, old man Joey, hey, how do you get to be a crew chief? And he said, shut up. And I was like, oh. okay, <laughs> I get it. But uh, yeah, I mean, because that's what you need. You need somebody who's interested in the work. Right. Um, and then come what may. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a good approach. Now, um. As a chief, well, no, it wouldn't have been your chief here. As a fish, I've, I've been trying to do the math on this because in my mind, these two things, I know these two things happened, but the math doesn't add up. Okay. I placed you on a log, a massive log in Crocker Woods. Now, in Probably my our, mind, was it our dress log? the one that y'all picked up and moved. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, oh, it was the O senior. You were a senior. Right. It would have been 04. I'd, it had been 04. So, yeah, in my mind, it was the 03 Woods, but you were a fish in 04. So it would have had to have been the 04 Woods, but I remember you being there. So there was this massive log in Crocker Woods talking about how many people were there. And this. I come up on the scene with the log uh, topped, dicked and topped, and y'all tried to pick it up. <laughs> what's, oh, what's maybe you? not in 04. We didn't, because uh, in 04, I think you wouldn't let us dick and top them. I was going to say, we we did axes only, right? Topping our logs in Crocker Woods. Right. But in right. 04, I don't think that was allowed. I think it had to be chainsaws. It might have been. That was, was the rule. The uh, hell, I forgot the rules in that time. So, so we opened it up. We opened it up in 05. Mm-hmm. You could top your own trees, but in 04, you weren't allowed to. Had to call I for a brown that. pot. You had to call for a brown pot. Yeah. yeah. And okay. We had eight of them. Reasons. We yeah, had right. eight of them, too. Yeah, we had a big crew of them. Um, so, in any event, the, the tree is now a log. I walk up right. on the scene and Crocker goes to pick it up and can't pick it up. Gets like halfway up, push the log down and then is going to quit. And then I remember this. I remember this. Yeah. So this was Oh four. Yeah. Okay. Well that, that recalibrates because in my head, the setting was the Oh three woods, but I remembered you being there, which meant that it would have had to have been the Oh four woods, but that log has stuck with me for years. Like I still revisit that log in my head every now and then. Y'all had a big crew and it was a big damn tree and you picked it up and then you had to put it down and y'all sent people out to other woods to go get people to help you. But then by the time, and this was the beautiful part of it, by the time everybody else came to help, they were ended up standing at the perimeter watching as you guys doubled down and actually did it. And so they had to witness you do the thing. 
And I remember everybody watching that going, what the heck? And you did it. And you know, yeah, it was, you know what, that was, that was one of the most motivating days of for sure that year, maybe, maybe all the bonfire for me. Cause you, you push somebody to figure out what their real capacity is, right? you know, and the whole crew. Right. And cause you can only get so much meat on a log. Right. Right. Unless you're using the sticks for like what you do for dress, you know, for dress logs, but you right. can only get so much meat on a log. So it's like, no matter how many people we went and got to help, you know, there was only going to be so many people picking that log up. Right. So, yeah, no, that was, uh, and you gave quite a speech before we picked up that log. If I remember right too, I think a part of us picking that log up was some, uh, Dion level motivation. I don't remember what you said. I'll be honest. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I remember getting fired up. Well, here's, here's the thing. Like all, I was just going to let it happen. Right. Like, okay, they can't do it. And then I just saw the way y'all behaved. Right? Like, y'all were really demotivated. Like, crushed that you didn't do this thing. And y'all had so many people. And y'all had worked so hard. And Berger and everybody had put together this incredible crew. And, I mean, y'all were beasts. And then here was this moment where you didn't do what you felt like maybe you could do some of y'all knew you could do it. Some of y'all thought maybe, and some people probably thought you couldn't, but everybody has got to believe. So I was just like, Hey, I I think you can. And if you want to, you can do it. And I I do remember also saying, um, but if you can't, you better say something right now, because if I find out you can't while you're doing this again, then there's going to be problems and everybody was honest, you know, and y'all just, y'all just freaking did it. I think all y'all really needed was the space. That's all was just the space. Yeah. You know, but that, I mean, I revisit that log in my head and all I remember of it is everybody's feelings afterwards. I remember I probably said something, but whatever. Like I remember how everybody reacted afterwards that, that was powerful stuff man yeah it is it is i think i think when you go home at the end of the day a cut and you have an expanded sense of your own capability mm-hmm. that's what bonfire is about right right at least that's part of it right you know like you've you've pushed out you've pushed up the the ceiling on what you know you can do exactly yeah, and that's that's the thing. I wish I could have put it in these words at the time, but something that I've every time I revisit that log in my mind, like oh my gosh, I, w- I wish everybody could have been there. I wish everybody could have seen it. Everybody ever what you guys did with that tree, and the fact, like the beautiful fact that y'all's resignation and just being like, we can't do it, go get other people that resulted in a bunch of other people witnessing one of the greatest feats of physical strength that I'm ever going to see in my life. Right? <laughs> that was, that was so awesome. But, uh, you know, I wish I, I wish I could have put to words what I've since figured out, which is that's probably going to be the hardest physical thing, the hardest, most intense physical moment that probably anybody there is ever going to experience in their life. And then y'all took the chance to how, how, 
in that context, it becomes definitive for an entire life. You're going to have other things you're going to succeed at, other things you're going to fail, but this is going to be the only thing like this you're ever going to experience. So how are you going to define your life with this moment? And that's what y'all did, you know? And even you could say too, how are you going to respond to moments like this in the future? Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to let the resignation win out? Right. Or are you going to give it that second shot? Right. And motivate your team to give it that second go. Right. And really give it, really give it everything you got. Cause, cause yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Man, I wish we had a Dion in the woods taking pictures back then. I don't know if there's any pictures of that log. <laughs> no, there's so many things that there are not pictures of, and I cannot decide if that's a good or a bad thing. Man, I would, I would, I would pay money for a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, that that's something though. There's still there's things that people try to do, like physically lifting logs, loading trucks, yeah. especially because I'm just sensitive to that. That being my you know sort of my wheelhouse, um, where I can't I can't even take the picture because I'm, you know, trying to hey you get here you move here what do you do right yeah. And if I was a more detached individual, I think that we'd probably have some pretty cool, but you're right. I mean, if there was a photo of that, I don't think anybody would believe it. Yeah. I think it was AI. <laughs> Photoshop. Yeah. 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 This was back before AI was a thing. Well, I mean, it existed, but in a pretty uh, immature, immature tech, uh, technological advancement at the time. Yeah. Yeah, we were artificial stupidity before <laughs> artificial intelligence. Now, that said, though, we did touch on it, like what Barry said. If we're being real, you are one of the smartest individuals most any, anybody has ever met. And on top yeah, of that, might be an exaggeration. Maybe a bonfire. What, <laughs> I don't know. That's what the smartest person anybody has ever met would say. Well, that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But I went to, well, I went to school and even in Crocker, you know, I gave Crocker a hard time. We had a low dorm average GPA and it was very low, but I went even in there in that dorm, we had a lot of smart guys going to school there, you know, aerospace engineers and, and other smart guys. So a lot of smart people come out of A&M. I happened to happen to be blessed with being able to get good grades, but yeah, I don't know if I'm the smartest guy anybody's ever met. Like you say, maybe in our circle, <laughs> but that's say, what, what do you do? Like you're a nuclear engineer. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a supervising engineer in the commercial nuclear industry. So I, um, I have, I was a core designer for a long time. So, um, like nuclear cores. Yeah. I would design nuclear cores for a reactor. And then after that, now I'm, I'm in charge of a group that does the safety analysis and the core design. Dang. That's the so fun work, challenging. Fun. Yeah, it is. It is challenging. You have to be. Uh, it's a little bit more. Uh, sometimes it becomes more of an art than a science, uh, which is surprising to people when they learn that uh, skill set. So I've, you know, I've learned the skill set and then trained people in the skill set, and then now I have oversight over that. And uh, you know, it, it is uh, the the challenging piece of it. I think is just uh, learning the art piece, you know, because you can, you know, you, you learn the science in school and you take that with you 
uh, and but then applying it and understanding how to balance out, uh, you know, all the different requirements. You know, when I when I design a core, I've got maybe a checklist of fifty six items that have to be right, right? That uh, it can't have you know have too much peaking or uh, too much uh, too much subcooled nucleate boiling in one region, you know. And so we we just uh, getting making a core design that that fits all those those checklist items is is uh, sometimes more of an art, but it's it's a lot of fun. So what what in that that litany of things that you just said you have to do or get to do? What in that has been informed by your bonfire experience as a participant or a leader? Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think just, uh, well, that's a hard one. Um, trying to think of. Cause you listed some things that I saw you do, you know, firsthand up close as a, as a fish figure stuff out. Right. You know, work, work together with the team, but then the team, the team aspect I think is probably the biggest. That should bring that up. I mean, nobody does a core design by themselves, right? You gotta, there's a whole bunch of different engineering disciplines that, you know, are, are going to have a say in where, what the, where the boundaries are. Right. And, um, and uh, you work together, not just even with a team in your company, you're working together with other companies because somebody's got to build that fuel for you, right? And ship it to right. you. And and they, and so, uh, yeah, the team aspect of it and, and knowing to reach out and make sure that what you're doing isn't going to mess up somebody else and, and get everything, um, make everything fit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and it's now, now leading a group, I feel like a lot of the lessons I learned as a chief and a Brown are coming into play with just leadership, you know? Um, I think, and you know, going back to the whole family thing, you know, when you show up and you got an instant family, I try to, you know, I've had, I've had to hire, uh, new engineers and I want them to, I want them to come in and feel like, you know, maybe not necessarily a family, it's a workplace, but but feel like they've got a resource mm-hmm. and a leader and not just a task driver. Right. 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 And I think, you know, every leader I had in bonfire did that for me. And a lot of the bosses I've had since have done that for me. And so that inspires me to be that kind of leader uh, in the, in the future for other people is, is to make a place where you feel like you have a resource and you're supported. Um and bonfire did a great job of that for, you know, at, at all the levels. Right. Well, and, and, you know, you talked about finding art too. And yeah, you know, what's the first yeah, thing you talked about? It. Yeah. You went from, you went from Sue to Sue smash because it was a, a brute blunt force instrument. But then, like you said, you learned how to turn the smash into a motivation into, you know, a, a tool for, creation not destruction i mean that's that's learning the art of right. of something that's pretty blunt force up until then um 
Yeah, yeah I remember know, speaking of Sue Smash, you remember the raw stick? You remember that thing? That was uh, my chief year. That's this is this is ringing bells. Describe this for me. So the Browns, I don't know if this was just to be funny or if this was something to maybe a little bit of light hazing, I don't know, but it was uh they cut the top off of a pine tree. Because mm-hmm. 05 was pine pine fire, right? And yeah. uh <laughs> we won't go into that anymore. But they cut the top off a pine tree and they put some nails and some baling wire around it to make it look scary. You know, wasn't ever mm-hmm. really used like that, but they made it look scary. And they said, This is your this is yours to carry around the woods now. And so, and I had to one hand palm that thing and carry it around. Right. And, uh, and you know, look scary with it and motivate with it and shake it at people and and uh, you know. You know, I don't know how really motivating it was. It was, but it was at least entertaining. And uh, yeah, that I had to carry that. I was carrying it around stack all the time too, and planting it in the mud, and and it was heavy. But it'll build your forearm strength. Grip, you know, palm on a palm uh, pine tree and walk yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, and and O five was, I was doing that decompression period in O five. Right. Yeah, you're dead, and you're glad to be dead. Yeah. You know, come out and check things out. And, uh, yeah. um, but I do remember, I do remember that damn stick. Um, my wife doesn't believe me, by the way, where I'm like, you know, honey, there were years where I'm just kind of vaguely familiar with what happened because, you know, I didn't go out yeah. that much. And it's just, no, that's a lie. No, it's true. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, 05. Let's see. Oh, five. My, my son cornbread. Right. Call me all the night. Centerpole was coming in and he said, can you come and tell a story? And I was like, well, that's your job. And he's like, well, I don't want to. And I don't know any. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't know any fables, dude. Like I just know, I just tell true stories that are shocking. And unbelievable. I don't know any fables. He's like, well, can you come up with one? So I came out and gave like the worst fable of all time. Cause I just made it up on my way out there and it was just garbage. Yeah. That that's my memory of actually doing anything in 05 was being a colossal failure in front of everybody. You know, cornbread was a quiet guy. Yeah. But in his, in his silence was he could speak volumes with a look. Exactly. I remember if you screwed up, you just imagined what he was saying with his eyes, and it was probably worse than anything that was really in his mind. But golly, exactly. he was, uh, I hated the, <laughs> the you screwed up looks from cornbread. Yeah. That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah, and that even when even when it was just like bemusement, not anger, like even just the times where he was just, you know, shaking his head like that was dumb. Even then, that was withering. Yeah, like he's he's not even. That's all he mad. needed. Yeah, you just mm. he didn't need to chew you out. He just had to give you that look, and it's like, yep. Sorry, Kinda sir. Like a, yeah, halfway <laughs> indifferent smile, and just like that the way he would do that. All right. Oh man, it's just like a walking. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was um, 
the 05 fire. The hell with it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's let, let's let up. We built a bonfire out of pine trees, and I hope they never do it again. Yeah. It was a lot of work on something that wouldn't burn. Oh my gosh. That was that was so amazing. It was the most beautiful. It was easy to cut. Yeah. God bless it. The trees were falling fast, you know. If you would tell somebody that's cutting in the woods now, we killed over a hundred trees in a day as a crew, yeah. one crew, they'd be blow your mind. Well, it was, well, it was pine trees. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, and, and again, being detached, I remember somebody kind of explaining what was going on going into the season where they had a piece of woods they were going to go look at and right across the street from it was this stretch of pine. And then they went, well, let's go check that out. And then, you know, somebody had said something like, well, you know, pine, it's, it's not going to burn. And then they cut down a tree and somebody lit the pitch that was coming out, the fresh pitch. And, of course, the pitch burned. And they went, see, right. it'll burn. But then you cut down the trees and they sit out. They sit for a month. Yeah. Or two. Yeah. And, and then I didn't know this. And I, obviously nobody knew this. But the fascinating thing about pine trees and that bark it's basically foam. It seals up. Exactly. And when it chars, that foam becomes foamier. Yes. And, and it insulates the tree. It's like a fire protection system for the tree. It's amazing. I didn't know this until that fire. And I realized how marvelous our creation is. Like, what a wonderful thing we got from that. Well, we learned a lesson. I think the whole organization learned a lesson that year. And, you know... That was a time, let's talk about this. That was a time where the organization was learning lessons mm -hmm. hard and fast. Yep. Because we were, and one thing, I'll give you credit, one thing that I had no idea how fresh and young the organization was when I came in as a fish. Mm. You know, I show up, I get recruited into a crew, bonfire is just what we do. And, you know, I had the full bonfire experience starting as a fish. Um, having really not a lot of knowledge of the, the backstory. Hey, you know, in 03 was the first time we built a wedding cake since 99. And then, mm -hmm. you know, 02 was the first time we did anything organized since 99. And so, yeah, I mean, so the, a lot of lessons had already been learned when I came in, but man, we were still learning some lessons pretty, you know, some hard lessons as an organization mm -hmm. in that, mm -hmm. in that, time frame things were changing i think every year something changed you know yeah yeah and you know barry and i have talked about that a lot um i, I credit and i told barry this um th there's so much of what happens now that is different from what we did it, it really is rooted in the leadership or at least the era of leadership of barry and his buddies you know, where they identified the things that were like, does this build bonfire? Yes or no? No, then get rid of it. And I mean, things is as, as obvious as the cross ties being steel pipe rather than massive right. two by twelves that create these huge cavities in between, um, you know, lots of stuff using ropes. I mean, like, I, I don't know. Do you remember how many ropes did we use in 04 to pull up logs? 
I don't know if we used any. Did we use ropes? I I I know we used zero ropes in 03 and just slammed every last one. I know in 04 we had a few where we're like, hey, maybe we should try ropes. But then yeah. we just pulled it through stacked. There was no pulleys, there was no rigging. It was just people on the other side running oh, with pulling the on the other side of the stack. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, I, think I don't remember that. Awesome. I don't even remember. So like I remember in 04, Y sticks weren't even like fabricated Y sticks. They were just logs right. that had a Y notch in them. Right. Yep. You know? It was like you had to find a Y stick. Right. Like, oh, you'd be you'd be in the woods. You'd be like, oh, that piece will make a good Y stick. <laughs> you know, and then like by 06, we had the steel right. Y sticks. Yep. You know, and then we but no matter who was operating the Y sticks, you had somebody to blame. That's the best right. thing about Y sticks. Like if anything went wrong, slamming that log, you had somebody to yell at. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm still, I'm still encouraged and heartened and it just feels good. You know, like when people still value something that you valued, like I just, I just love, I'm just warmed on the inside when a junior is just ripping a Y stick apart. Like I just, <laughs> it feels so good for me. Cause I just, I just remember that, but I, I do sometimes I try not to be this old guy, but you know, sometimes if it comes up, I'll be like, but yeah, you only had to yell at one person, you know, like you get mad at a Y stick in Oh four, Oh three. <clears throat> you're getting mad at three people because that's yeah, how many people a, crew, a Y stick crew. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is a Y stick. You got to know. And that's part of the bonfire experience. Like it's my job to do my best and still get chewed out. Right. right. And you learn how to take that. Right. That's, that's part of followership. <laughs> right. Right. And then, I mean, and then you realize that there's no escaping it either. Right. Like the, the farther up you go, that doesn't mean that you get less chewings out. You no, uh, to the contrary. Exactly. More. <laughs> and, th and then when you get to the point where you're like, there is nobody left to chew me out. You know, I am a senior and there's nobody left to chew me out. And and the position of red or, or, you know, gray for us, ostensibly, that's the spot, right? There's your, there's nobody else. But nope, now the chewing out is coming from this direction and this direction. And you got Browns going, why are we doing this? And then do whatever. And then people go, You're, I'm too tired. I want to go home. Why are you making me work? And it's just. Oh, yeah. There's no escape. Yeah. Which is actually heartening to me because then that means like, don't, if you're getting chewed out right now, don't think that there's a light at the end of this tunnel. You're talking to the Colonel, everything you guys were talking about, this too shall pass and learn a mm -hmm. math lesson. But here we're saying, listen, feedback is always a gift. Yeah. <laughs> you're always going to be getting you're always going to be getting feedback no matter what position you're in. You know, yeah. that's true though. Yeah. yeah you got to just get comfortable with it. You got to learn how to be comfortable with that and uh, learn the lessons that somebody's trying to teach you, but also don't, don't beat yourself up along with them. You know, just be like, yes, you know, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, it's like I tell, it's like I tell my kids sometimes where, um, you know, they're like, what, well, what, well, you know, why are you mad about this? And 
and I, I try to help them understand. Maybe they will understand. Maybe it'll be in a psychiatrist's office one day that they'll understand. But it's this, if I were you, I would be crushed if I wasn't frustrated right now. Like me being frustrated is me telling you that I believe that you could have done this. Yeah. And I have a high standard for, for what you can do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to believe pushing people that goes back to pushing people to find what their real capacity is, you know, mm-hmm. like with that log that just, right. You, that's, that's a big part of bonfire is le- helping college kids f- find what their real ceiling is before they go out in the world and change the world. Right. You know, which is, and, and again, going back to coming into the dorm and making friends and making a family and, and how weird that is. We take it for granted, but in retrospect, you realize that shocking. What's shocking too is college kids coming to college to get a degree to enter the workforce. If they fall into bonfire, they're they're learning stuff that 60-year-old people haven't tripped over yet. Right. Right. A level of ownership and accountability that you don't get in any kind of other experience. Yeah. 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 yeah I'll never forget. I'll tell you one, one of the biggest lessons I learned at Bonfire was the 06 fire when we had to turn that cut site into a stack site. Right. And that, and that realization came a little late in the fire. I mean, it mm-hmm. was October. Right. And cause we were, we were gunning for a stack site somewhere else for a while. I even helped and went, uh, to go talk to, uh, man, I went to go talk to Dwight's brother mm-hmm. and near Franklin. Right. We had a good piece of land that maybe we thought, and that was not, uh, that was a non-starter. That was about a five minute conversation. Mm. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but just the, the looking at what we had on the ground and all those logs and realizing that if I'm not a big part of the solution to making this happen, it might not mm. happen. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like just the, the that level of ownership, I can't just show up and not be accountable for the results. Like I have to be part of making it happen or it might not happen, right? Because uh, when you're at the top of an organization, you know, the, and this was Barry and his brothers and us all together kind of having this conversation, you know, it doesn't just miracle itself up there. It takes people mm-hmm. making that, making sure it gets built. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, it was a, it was a tall task to get that site turned into a stack site. Yeah. We had, we had crews come out in the middle of the night, uh, chopping up roots and pulling roots. And we're running, running box blade and sheep's foot all over that site in the middle of the night. Cause it wasn't level. We had to, we had right. to change the grade. Not only did we have to get rid of all the roots, but we had to change the grade of the site. Right. Uh, and yeah, we just, not only did we push ourselves, but we pushed our crews to to get a lot of extra work done that year to make that happen. But yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, and you know the the boys last year were 
were sweating over moving. Um, they didn't get a lot of notice either to move from from where they'd been to, to where they are now. And they ultimately had to, to go with a piece of land that was adjoining it. Um, and granted, there was a little bit more that they have to move now than they used to have to move. But still, you know, you're moving over the same road, go out one gate and come back in another one. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be fair. It was very, very hard, but I know what you guys did. And right. so, you know, I sent him to talk to Barry about, hey, pick Barry's brain. He moved three times. So, and yeah. 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 And, and you did find that like the level of, of uh, angst dropped way down because it was like, oh, well, I talked to Barry, so this isn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, when an organization has gotten used to doing it the same way so many years and then they haven't seen a change like that in a while, it throws them for a loop. But, like, yeah, yeah in the phase of, of the fire I was in, it was change was just part of the, part of the package, Yeah. right? Yeah. This year and- it's at the racetrack. This year it's in Robertson County and – you know, who knows next year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, on the one hand, you're, you're kind of, I wish it wasn't like that. But on the other hand, all those people who went through that now, they got, they've got a whole hell of a lot to be proud of. Anybody that builds any bonfire at all, period, has got a lot to be proud of. But there's something really special about that experience in those times. But like I say, Barry and them, they locked a lot in that hasn't changed very much since. And there's been things that, that have changed, you know, they, they don't slam the stack anymore, which, you know, now the call is slow to stack. And I think, I think it was like 2010. I did did not even know that. Yeah. I think it was like 2010 or 11. The first time I saw it might've even been 2009. Um, where, I'm coming up on uh, walking up to the site and I'm not on the board yet. I'm not taking photos yet. This is just one of those nights I'm coming to visit. And I hear somebody yell slow to stack and this log's going up slowly. And I took off running. Like I thought, Oh, oh somebody missed something. And I'm, I'm instantly in like fix this mode. And I wrote, what the hell are you doing? Just slamming whatever. And they're like, Whoa, we don't do that. Oh, Okay. My bad, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's another way. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it'll modulate, right? Because you slamming a a log without ropes. I think we can both agree. It's probably not. It's not the best way to do it. Ropes are good. (laughs) Ropes are good. Ropes are good. (laughs) I mean, we got a lot out of it, and I'm not trying to be selfish, but I don't think anybody else needs to get what we got. That's, <laughs> but you know, the it it just kind of you know some of the things you go oh well slow we can do it slowly and we can control it so pretty soon you're doing more of that to the point where you're like man if it takes 20 seconds to get a log up that's 20 seconds that a log is up in the air so and I think it'll come back. 
I think they'll start slamming the stack a little bit again and bring it back together to kind of where Barry had it. Yeah, I remember that 04 fire. I didn't, you know, I haven't slammed very many logs. So, Mm -hmm. because I was always basing logs. Mm -hmm. That 04 fire, again, there wasn't like staggered shifts. It wasn't like some crews come out this night, some crews come out another night. You just showed up when you could, and I could most nights. So I slammed, I mean, I didn't slam. I based almost all those logs. Yeah. Where, you know, that was, you talk about a scary job. You better get your head out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then when the whole the whole operation everyone's coming at you. Yeah. And by necessity, <laughs> you can't get it up without everybody crushing in and then you're throwing it. Like it's gotta explode yep. into the stack. So it overcomes that momentum that makes it want to stick at like 60 degrees. It's going hard. And everybody's crushing in. And so you're the last. You're the first person to log and you're the last person to leave because you've got everybody else between you and perimeter. Right. That's nuts. The basers, man, that was That's a tough job. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ah, but I loved it. I ended up. I don't think I was uh I don't think I was as close to danger as some other guys. I know a guy that got his pot stuck in stack. From basing the log, just got his head out of there in time. Oh my gosh, man! Uh, yeah. Again, like for the listening public, <laughs> the they don't they don't <laughs> do this anymore. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and maybe the ropes are a good thing. Maybe, maybe it's still yeah, stack. yeah. <laughs> and certainly, you know, as as with a lot of things, you know, there's things that you rediscover. That you go, hey, maybe we should try that or whatever. Um, and. You know, there's certain things where you're like, well, if you want to try it, uh, baby step into it, you know, is like I said, Barry and, and y'all's the tail end of y'all's career. Y'all were slamming the stack, but with ropes, right. you know, and, and with metal Y sticks. And so Those metal they, Y sticks made a lot of difference because oh, it they're, was, they were so much easier to control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the metal, again, with the metal ties to the windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made a huge difference in how good stack looked and how easy it was to build in there, build in those yeah. quadrants. I mean, there's oh. some things that are lost in it. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we probably would have pushed off of the, you know, done push ups off of the cross ties if that thought had occurred to us. Uh, you know, and that would have been motivating for people to see you know, that position doing push-ups up there. Then the cross ties left and nobody ever did that. And now question is, well, wouldn't it be cool if we had wooden cross ties? Well, I mean, maybe it would be, but these metal cross ties are very nice. So you're going to have to get creative because you got to keep the metal ones. Um, So there's, I mean, there's things that with progress, you look back and go, I didn't realize we were missing that. I mean, the Y sticks, now it's just one person. Which means that more people, one person, yeah, alone, yeah. they could do it well, or they could make a mistake, and there's not two other people to say, "Hey, whoa, 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 what are you doing?" Yeah. So, did you ever hear the biggest mistake that the that resulted from the metal Y sticks? No. So, it got to where they're like, "Hey, these metal Y sticks are great. 
This is a perfect solution. But you have these issues, especially when you've only got one person. So there's no latency when you're giving instructions, right? If that person hears those instructions and hears them wrong, then they, they don't have two other people to moderate what they're doing. So it suddenly becomes really, really important that everybody understands exactly what they're doing because it's only one person per stick making the decision. And so when you've got a, a yellow pot calling right, left, trying to tell the right Y stick to go to the left, left, right, left, and it gets yeah. all confused. So then they started spray painting them. And then they felt like, oh, this does it, right? And we'll give them all different colors and yellow and blue and all this. And then one day they had a red and a green Y stick on the same log. And so the yellow pot's calling red, left, red, left, red, push, red, push, push, red, green, push, red, green. And this one kid is not responding and not doing what he's supposed to do. And so they start chewing this kid out. What are you doing? Are you freaking colorblind? He was colorblind. Yep. Red, green, colorblind. Oops. <laughs> like note to <laughs> self, never put red and green on the same yeah. lock. Evolution, you learn. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's interesting the stuff that you stumble across that like you don't realize other people are dealing with until you have a conversation with them. You know, like people that are losing their hearing at a young age that that makes it hard to do bonfire and the, uh, you know. But we we dealt we're dealing with that now on a youth football team where we got a kid that's got some hearing issues and we didn't know, and then it's like, hey man, we're telling you this. And we just got, you know, now, you know, you just got to get up close to them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, that's such a great way of looking at it. Like how this is, this is blowing my mind, this realization. Cause I often wonder like, how is it that bonfire brings people so close? And I think, I don't know. I think that you just helped me trip over something really important. You you really get to know people when you learn what right. they're struggling with, and you don't know what people are struggling with until you until expose you're them in to there trying to do something together. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's amazing. Yep, I th I, th I think we hit on a gold nugget. We did. Mission accomplished for this one. <laughs> well, I want to go back to something you said about baby steps because one of the stories that stuck out in my mind when I was like, man, what am I going to talk to Dion about? Was the, you remember in 06, you were there that day. I know you were, even though you were dead. Um, the creek bed and the 06 cut in those 06 mm -hmm. woods. Mm -hmm. And we allowed crews to go cut in those woods on the other side of that creek bed, knowing the whole season we got this bulldozer, we're going to get all those logs down the tractor path with the dozer mm -hmm. going through the Creek bed. And then we show up the day this day it's dozer day, right? Mm -hmm. We show up the day that we're going to do this work. And it's one of the last days of cut. And, uh, we had over 200 logs over there. They mm -hmm. had just been sitting there on, on skids. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the dozer, like, crap the bed. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's done. It's not, no dozer. You just thought you had a dozer, right? It's broken. It's, I think the, uh, the lubrication system or something was just totally cracked. I remember seeing a giant hole where there shouldn't have been a hole. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. So, so we're like, well, what are we going to do with these logs? You know, it was just same like a huge shame to just leave them over there. They're not going to be part of the fire now. A lot, a lot of kids have been working on them. And I don't remember whose idea it was. might've been mine. might've been somebody else. We were standing around talking, trying to come up with a plan. It's like, let's just see which logs we can get across with a crew. Right. I know it sounds crazy to have a crew carry logs through a creek bed, but let's just see if we can get some high ports across or some coffee cans across. Mm-hmm. So we get crews over there and we start doing that. Right. And there's like, they get a system, they kind of get a feel for how to net, they, you know, find a, the right place to go across the creek bed. It was dry, but it was still the, the lose, the gaining that elevation, you know, the logs mm-hmm. a straight line and then, Somebody all of a sudden has to step down and, and not be really helping to carry the log. And then they pick it back up again, you know, on the front side. And, and that was, that was a, a big struggle for a, for a crew to do that. So we started off with, you know, coffee can logs and some high ports and they start building up confidence every trip and every trip mm-hmm. they get a little bit of bigger log. Right. And they figure out, man, this is something we can do. And like before we're done with the day, we've got every log across that Creek bid and they've, they've raised the ceiling on what they think their capacity is again, because now they know they're, they're moving logs as big around as me, mm-hmm. you know, over that bed. And, uh, man, that was, one, that was another one of those motivational days. It was like, and it wasn't even anything I did. I just stood there and watched, you know, and supervised, but, but just helping them figure out, Hey, yeah, you can do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, baby steps. exactly. Yeah. And, and it's one of those like, You almost to to let somebody go farther down the road. So you almost sometimes have to you be the brakes a little bit and go just a little bit, a little bit more patience. Just do do the thing you already know how to do a couple more times, right? And then and then get your way to the other thing. But sometimes you find yourself when you're trying to hit the brakes, you find yourself realizing that wait, it. Is, is the reason why I'm hitting the brakes right now because I'm afraid? Right. I mean, that was my biggest fear that morning was we're going to do this and somebody's going to get hurt, you know? Yeah. And I just didn't, I, in my mind, starting off that day, in just my mind, I didn't want somebody to get hurt. And mm-hmm. so I was ready to just be like, nope, we're just going to leave them over there. Right. And then as we talked through it, I was like, I, I kind of came around. I was like, okay, well, let's see what we can get. Yeah. You know? And then before yeah. the end of the day, everything was... It was all moved. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same. It was the same thing with that, with that log where it's just, I mean, honestly, I was, I was not, I was, I'll be honest. I was afraid of it. I was afraid of it. And and I think y'all were too. And that's why you put it down. But it was seeing what that did to y'all and y'all's disappointment that I realized that like, they actually know they can do it. The fact that they're disappointed means they know they can do it. And I don't want them to feel that way, you know? And that's, that happened then. Then you experienced that. Like, we don't have right. to do this. And then actually, you know what? I think 
I think they've earned the right to show us that they can. And over and over and over again, throughout the rest of your life, same thing. Right. Like, are, am I saying no right now? Am I making them tap the brakes because that's what they need to get to where they're going is to slow down? Or am I tapping the brakes because I'm afraid right now? And if that's the case, then do I have a reason to be afraid? And if not, then I better get over it because I'm expecting them to get over it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, is my fear holding somebody else back? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wild, man. Dude, college kids. Yeah. Nuts. Yep. I, yeah, I wouldn't trade a single day. You know, living in Crocker was the best choice made for me. I wouldn't right. trade a single day of it. You know, nobody that nobody moved to Crocker Hall because they chose Crocker Hall on the list of the not, you know, there's all so many nicer dorms. It's an old corridor style dorm. Yeah. Uh, built 1943. And uh, so it was full of guys that were just late putting in their res life application. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> not yeah, the most I mean, uh, organized crew, you know, yeah. uh, but man, they, some of the best friends I've, I've got from them, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of them. And, you know, there was, you know, we all had our doors open to each other. You know, that was another thing. You could walk around, go hang out. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in Jason Davis's. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, there were some years I might have spent more time in his room than I did in my own. Mm-hmm. You know, just hanging yeah. out, watching TV or, or doing whatever, making plans, you know. Yeah. That's another thing. Every spring is like that chance to reset and start looking ahead. And, and you know, if you've been chosen as a leader, you know, that's your chance to reset and look ahead and uh and get ready to to figure out how to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the, the so spring of my freshman year, spring of my sophomore year, that's what I spent a lot of time doing that and catching up on school. Cuz right. I would I would cut down my hours in the fall because I was going to be building bonfire. And then I would have to make up for that in the spring semester. So I'd be taking maybe 18 hour semester to mm-hmm. catch up. So that's where you were smart is I didn't cut down yeah. my hours. I just did not <laughs> do anything for the hours I signed up for. Yeah. I mean, the, the hardest semester for me was the first spring semester after my last fire. Uh, spring of 05 where it's just like you're in this rhythm you're in this rhythm and then you're like spring of 05 and you're just what what do I do right it's scary it's it's actually scary when you've defined yourself by success in one thing for that one thing to be over and everything in the world was about how well you did that job. Well, now you don't have that job anymore. And you kind of wonder, well, am I good at anything else? Well, that's kind of what I was suffering from when I left high school and came to college was, mm. you know, I had to find a lot of my high school career by football. You know, I played football. Uh, yeah. And then I didn't have that anymore. So I was starting to, I was where you're at mm-hmm. coming in as a freshman. I was like, what's going to be my thing now? Am I just going to be a student? That can't be it. You know? I, and then I, I, bonfire found me. Yeah, I think we found your thing. Your th- yeah. your thing found you. Yeah, it did. It found me. It found me. I'd never swung an axe before. I'd never, you know, I was uh, not, I mean, I was a country boy a little bit. I'd driven a tractor here and there, you know, on my grandpa's farm, but I hadn't, 
I didn't grow up on a farm. I wasn't the most agriculturally minded kid. You know, I definitely wasn't. Now, trust me, you can ask pretty much anybody that knew me. I wasn't the most skilled with an axe, but I'd carry a log for you. Yeah. <laughs> Base a log for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what it all comes down to. Who's going to do anything? That's, yeah. that's where people, there's not, mm, there's not a lot of people that it's like, Hey, they are technically a really, really good ax person, especially when they're fish. Right. But the fact that they want to learn, you know, that sets them apart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got, I got to tell you, man, I, I really enjoyed you as a fish. Like you, uh, you know, you got your buddies that you want to like, Hey, am I, am I doing a good job, buddy? I mean, nobody's ever going to go, Hey, am I doing a good job, buddy? That, that's no, that's ridiculous. But you know, where you're just kind of trying to take the temperature, like, am I heading in the right direction? You got your buddies to measure with, but you've also got the other people where like when you're speaking to a, a group, you try to identify some people to look at and go, am I getting a response from this person? Like, like I gave a muster speech for the Tyler Smith County and, um, um, Louis Gomert was there. And so I kept dialing in on him because I figured this is a guy that listens to people talk all the time. So can I make him, you know, and I got nothing. Nothing for the whole thing. <laughs> it was, he came up and said some nice things afterwards, but the whole time I'm like, I'm not getting anything. Uh, anyway, I digress. There's the people that, you know, and you were definitely one, if not like the one that I was like, can I, can I move the needle? Because I'll you already it. had your needle pegged, you know? Yeah. And I break the needle off. And uh, so I had a hell of a lot of fun uh, building bonfire with you. So yeah, it was it's, a fun again. It's fun. Hey, they were they were the best ones ever. Yeah. Dude, honestly, I don't even care. I've had so much fun talking to you. I don't even care if you post it. Like, I've just been like, just enjoying the conversation. 